What's up? How are y'all? I'm Pastor. If, you know, I'm Pastor Ron. If that wasn't a cue, um, I said first it would be weird if I wasn't just somebody else up here, um, just up here talking. Well, hey, I am so honored to be up here uh, and be able to to speak today, and it's such a privilege. Um, a, just to share the word, um, but also just to be trusted enough to share the word in the house. Um, you know, Pastor Sean and Elise, if you don't know, they're on vacation um, and they're gone. You know, he's Canadian and for the first time since before COVID, they've got to go back to Canada and get to see family. They didn't see family they had never met before um, because they had babies born during COVID. And so just pray for them. Pray that they would come back refreshed, that they would enjoy their time, that they would get the, the, the much needed family time alone and just pray for them. Um, you know, but I'm so glad that I'm here with you guys today. I'm so glad that you're here with us online. Thank you for, for joining us today. Um, I really pray that, that God has something in store for you, that he uses what he's given me to, to bless you. But I just want to start um, by sharing a story. But first, I don't know if you know, it's summertime. You didn't, if you didn't know that, I'm sorry. You just figured it out. Um, maybe you don't have kids and it's like, oh, summer, finally. But uh, we have our, our youth group, our youth ministry. That's an old school term, right? Youth group. But uh, youth ministry, that's right. Woo! They are, they're going to Wild Week this year. And um, I was a youth pastor for about four years in Austin and I've been around. But we used to go to Wild Week, same camp. And I was thinking about a story. At Wild Week one year, we had um, a kid invited a, a kid that never gone to church. Uh, it was somebody from out of state, but it was a relative or something, and can't quite remember. But he invited him, and he showed up, and he'd never gone to church, he'd never gone to youth camp before. And we we're sitting on a wall, and we we're just talking about Jesus. And some of the kids were asking questions. I think there was probably like two on this side, and then two on this side. This kid was on the far side, and as we're talking, he just gets up and leaves, starts walking across this field. You know, like, okay, you know, he wasn't interested or didn't understand and, and it just wasn't, he wasn't there yet. And, uh, but he walks all the way across this long field and over there, there's a pergola with a bunch of chairs in it. He walks across and he grabs a chair and he walks all the way back and he sticks it down right in front of me. And he says, I couldn't hear and I didn't want to miss anything. Yeah. I don't know these stories. And I, I, I just, I just want to know what this is all about. And I think about our kids going and the impact it's going to have on kids that are going, that, that go to church. But maybe you know some that don't. Maybe one of your kids has a friend that doesn't go anywhere and they hang out all the time. And maybe you're, you need to encourage your students or I'm going to encourage students, invite somebody. Because here's the thing, that kid, it had a serious impact on his life. We found him a church in his home state and all that kind of stuff. But the kid that invited him, he got to see the impact of what his invite did. And some of you, you have kids in your neighborhood, and I always make this joke, like maybe there's a kid in your, on your block that you would, love to be see, you would love them to be gone for a week. And that's a joke, but here's the deal. You don't know what that invite and what that week away would mean for them. So I want to encourage you. Who in your life, what student in your life needs to come? 
because we have a wonderful youth pastor that's going to be in the, out there afterwards. That's right. Yep. But here's the deal. It's not just his job to get kids to camp. It's your job. It's our job as a church to fill every spot because every spot is valuable. Every spot has the potential to be life-changing. Invite somebody. Invite a neighbor kid. Invite a friend. Fill up these spots. If you got questions, stop by that guy out there and talk to Pastor Abram. Um, if, if you're like, I know somebody, but I can't afford it, we'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. Okay? Um, it's that important to us, and it should be that important to you. Um, well, we're going to get into this teaching, but first, I'm going to pray. Will you just pray with me? Um, Lord, we just... I pray that this isn't just a lesson, this just isn't information, that this is a seed that is planted. This is a seed that is planted in us that can grow and can develop into something bigger. That this can be something that we can take out and it can produce fruit. You, you, you give good fruit and peace is one of your fruit and, and joy is one of your fruit. And so Lord, I just pray that this would be something. Uh, and I speak against anything. You talk about the birds of the air that come and steal the seed. And I pray against any bird that would come against anyone in this room and steal the seed that is planted today. Lord, that it would be on fertile ground and that it would grow and grow well. Lord, that this would be more than a lesson, that this would be an encounter with you. Lord, that we could encounter you today. And just like with Paul, one encounter and his life changed. And so, Lord, I pray for that kind of encounter today for everyone in this room, for myself included. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, so we're in the middle of joyful. And if you have missed any of these series as Pastor Sean's been teaching on, I encourage you to get online and watch them. Um, I took advantage of that this week. I was in V Kids last week and didn't get to uh, sit in service, but I went back on Monday, put on my headphones in the office and just watched. And it's such a good sermon. Um, it was such a good lesson. Pastor Week, uh, last week he talked on living, trusting, and sharing the gospel. And if, obviously this is a book in, um, this is a uh, letter written to the church in Philippi. And so a lot of this is, is it's going to have similar um, things, but we're going to be looking at, um, again, at this book of, Phil of Philippians, and it was written to the believers in Philippi. And the, the believers in, in Philippi, the Philippi was a, a Roman colony, which means it was, it was part of the Roman Empire. Um, and it was a very patriotic um, it is believed to be very patriotic. Um, many believe that it was actually where the Roman guards and, and the Roman soldiers would go to retire. And so you could imagine, imagine being in a U.S. state or a city where it was like all the veterans would go to retire and what that would look like, right? Everything would have an American flag on it, right? Every truck would have a sticker in the back. Um, everywhere you went in, it'd be like, like what's, um, what, what's a good patriotic like country song like? Huh? God bless America, right? I was thinking, what's the one um, from Kenny? Uh, yeah, property. Yeah, what? I, I don't. I, obviously, I don't listen to country, as you can tell. But just imagine walking in that those songs just playing everywhere, and and he's reaching out to these, and he's writing a, a letter to the church, extremely patriotic and loyal to Rome. 
And he's writing it. Paul's writing this. And what's interesting, I don't know if you know this, Paul is a, a Jew. And we see, in, Paul was a very devout Jew, right? Where he would come against believers, where, where he would have them stoned and he would have them killed because they believed in Jesus instead of just that there was a Messiah coming because he did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah until one encounter. And it changed his life. But you know what else is crazy? Is Paul understood what it meant to be a citizen of Rome too because he was. He was a citizen of Rome by birth. He was born in a Roman colony. And so he got to be Roman. And there was a lot of rights that you had as, as a Roman citizen. It was so, it was, it was, it was such a privilege that, that people would pay to become because it meant they had these rights and they got to be a part of this nation, this country. It was written from prison. He's writing this from prison because he had given up on all the things from his past and was focused on Jesus and was teaching about Jesus. And because of that, he ended up in prison for a very long time. We find out later he ends up on an island because of this. But here's Paul writing this series of essays. This, the book of Philippians is a series of essays. But for the sake of, of this series, Joyful, we're going to call them challenges. Because in this, God challenges and he wants, us, he wants to challenge us with some, some things. And the way we follow Jesus. He wants to challenge us to do this. And that was last week how Pastor Sean challenged us to live the gospel. But see, this, these challenges and these essays resolve, revolved around uh, a poem that was in chapter 2. And it's called the Messiah poem. And this Messiah poem was written to remind us, this is who Jesus is, and this is what Jesus did. This is who Jesus is. And this is what Jesus did. And with that in mind, we're going to answer this question. Will you fully follow Jesus by joyfully obeying his example? And the example this week that we're going to look at, the example we're going to look at is a joyful sacrifice. Uh, that's, man, that's, that's not very appealing a joyful sacrifice? Who wants to sacrifice joyfully? Ooh, yeah, right? That's not fun. And I was like, I was thinking about, about what, it, what that means and I was like, um, what are some other things that maybe we put together that shouldn't necessarily or we wouldn't think would go together? And so I looked up strange food combinations. These are things that people actually eat. I'm not lying. This, this is gross, but um, the first one, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Nutella on anything is pretty good. So Nutella on salty chips. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, back when, remember the bacon and ice cream phase? When people were putting bacon, you like Dairy Queen and they'd have like a strip of bacon in it, right? And you're like, that's, oh, but it was so, it was good. The salty, but bacon on anything. It's kind of like Nutella, right? Um, but this one, and I dedicate this one to Pastor Sean. If you're watching, this is for you. Because um, apparently in Canada, ketchup is a big thing. And they put it on everything, but ketchup and popcorn. No, that's just not right. I don't know if anybody in here, I'm sorry, we'll pray for you after. There'll be people up here you can come and ask for prayer. How many, we got any um, pineapple on pizza fans, right? Okay, that's good, that's good. How about, I like it. No, it's good. 
bananas on pizza. Mm-mm. Something about that, like, you bite into a banana and it goes that, like, thing. Like, right? I don't want that happening in my mouth when I bite pizza. Right? The next one. And maybe they just thought this was like chocolate sauce, but vanilla ice cream and soy sauce. And they were like, that's not chocolate. You know, they thought it was Nutella, maybe. Like running Nutella. That's gross. Um, This one. Peanut butter and pickle sandwich. No. We're going to pray. It's all right. You can come up. We'll have prayer afterwards. I get it. You know, and so we look at this, and, and sometimes that's what's like, ooh, like we have the same reaction with joy and sacrifice. Like, ooh, ooh, I don't want to, no. Uh, sacrifice should be like moaning and groaning, right? Like, ugh, I guess I'll have to. But hopefully at the end of this, this will feel more like peanut butter and chocolate, right? Some good Reese's peanut butter cups, right? The, y'all remember the commercial back in the day? And some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about because you're below 30. Um, when they would, they would trip, you know, and they would like walk in like, oh, and they would run into each other around a corner and the, the chocolate would go in the peanut butter. And be like, you got chocolate on my peanut butter. That's hopefully what this is. This is <laughs> that joy and sacrifice feels a little bit more like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Mm, good stuff. So, but we're gonna break down this and we're gonna get into this text uh, in Philippians. So we're going to be looking at chapter 1, verses 27 through 30, and then we'll get into Philippians 2, 12 through 18. Um, and we're going to read that. And there's a lot. I can't cover it all. I can't break down every single thing. So we're going we're gonna to run through this. And Paul kind of gives us a thesis statement at the very beginning of this. Y- y'all remember what thesis statements are? Um, for those above 30, remember, I'm, um, that's when you write a statement that kind of projects what the rest of it's going to look about. And so he kind of writes this thesis statement in this, but we're going to read this. And I'm going to, um, typically when we, um, put scripture up or we teach, it's usually out of the English standard version. Um, but I'm going to be teaching out of the NLV today. I, I, I used to teach out all the time. And then when I was studying for this, um, the translation just was so spot on with what it is. Um, but we're going to read. So we're going to go to Philippians 1, 27 through 30. And it starts like this. Above all, above all, above everything, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the, gospel, of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also you have been given the privilege of, I'm sorry, the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I am still in the midst of it. So Paul starts right off. He says, above all, before anything else, this is the most important thing. He's talking to the church at Philippi who again, remember, are citizens of Rome. And he says, even before that, 
Before the importance of that, you are to be a citizen of heaven. It is more important than anything. You must live as a citizen of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Right? And he points this out. And then we also see, if you go to Hebrews 13, 14, it says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. You see, we are citizens of heaven. The first thing we need to understand is we are citizens of heaven. And this challenge that, that Paul is giving us about living a life for Christ is that we're not only to be citizens, but we're to live as citizens of heaven. It's much different between being a citizen and living as a citizen. And the believers in Philippi knew what it meant to be citizens. Like I said, it was extremely important. It was a great honor to be a citizen. And Paul is asking these Roman citizens who have lived, many of them, their whole lives dedicated to Caesar, dedicated to the Roman Empire, to set aside their loyalty and their citizenship to the Roman Empire and put it all in Jesus. Why is he in prison? Because he had modeled this. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Because that was important more important than anything on this earth. You see, Paul then explains what it should look like to be a citizen, right? He doesn't just say, hey, be a citizen and leave it at that. He's not just like, hey, figure it out. Hey, the way you live as a citizen of, of, the, of the world is not necessarily the He's saying it's not the same. There's different things and it's gonna look different. And he starts off like this. He says, citizens of heaven, I will know, right? Paul, he's talking, he says, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. He starts off, he says, you're in one spirit. You're in one spirit. What spirit? The Holy Spirit. You're to be united in one spirit, in the Holy Spirit. He says, I will know that you are standing together with that one spirit, empowered. Second Timothy 1, 13 through 14 says, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. And I was thinking about that. And it, it kind of like, like you work, anybody um, use power tools? Right? Anybody in here ever try to use a power tool without the battery? Right? No. You'd be like, like, no, the point is you pull the trigger and it works, right? And we're to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That one spirit, when we turn it on, we should be moving. It's like, um, I heard someone once talk about how being filled with the Spirit is kind of like those blow-up things in your yard, right? When you don't have the power to them, they just lay flat. And then when you turn them on and they fill with air or the Spirit, you can see who they're supposed to be. And you can't see who we're supposed to be. You can't really fully do who you're, be what you're supposed to be unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit working under that power and, so that you can do and, and, 
and do what God has asked us to do. And so the citizens of heaven are not alone. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? But then he goes on. As he says, after that, he says, in one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith. Fighting together, right? We're to strive together. I use that word strive, and sometimes we can get kind of in, in, in the church world when we talk about strive. Because so often what happens is we strive for our faith. We strive for our salvation. We think our, our salvation is based on what we do, not what Jesus did. Right? And so we, that idea of striving for our faith kind of can be, but, but strive can mean other things. It means to compete. So we're to compete together. It talks about running the race. It, it also means to go all in. So we're to go all in together. We're to do this, um, all of us. This isn't just a me thing. This isn't just a you thing. This is a us thing. Right? And I want you to think about the scripture when Peter tells us, he says, the, 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 Satan roams around like a lion, looking for who he can devour, looking to kill and destroy. And think about how a lion hunts. You ever watch those nature shows? And you watch a lion, and they're sitting there, and they're watching, and they're waiting to find that one animal that isn't as strong, it's weak, for this tense, maybe it's not empowered, right? But it doesn't just do that. It looks for the one that's alone. You know, it'll try to find the one that's off by itself. Maybe it's wandered off because it's grazing and hasn't paid attention or the rest of the herd has moved off, but it's not paying attention. Or when it takes off in the hunt, it will chase until one separates itself. Whether it's because it's sick or weak or it just thinks I'm gonna go the other direction when nobody else is. And the line goes after that one. Do you think it's any different for us? Do you think it's any different that that, that you know, I was meeting with some, some guys. I showed up at church to do something else and they were eating hamburgers in their men's group outside. And when there's food involved, I stay. So um, they were eating hamburgers and it was so good to fellowship with them. And they're wrestling through last week's sermon and it was so good. And if you're not in a group, get in a group. You can have the opportunity to meet with, and, and, and ladies, y'all are great at this. Guys, mm, we struggle with this. We don't want to share our feelings. Make us vulnerable. You know what's more vulnerable? Being out there trying to do it alone. You guys, we, you got to get in there. Strength in numbers. There's a reason that that's a saying. Strength, fighting together for the faith. Unity is so important. So important. And the Roman citizens understood this. They understand because they had a powerful army. But Paul's saying, it's not, not that way. It says a family. Philippians, don't be intimidated. And then he goes on. And, and this is so great. Because, you know, sometimes we'll see and it's like, oh, we get afraid of the enemy. We'll get afraid of the enemy. But Paul says this in 128. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemy. Right? This is right after he says, we're going to do this together. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed. You see, when we live as citizens, you know, people didn't go up against the Roman Empire. When they saw them coming, they ran. 
because they knew they were going to be destroyed. And that's the way it should be for us. When, when, Pete, when the enemy comes against us, it's like he's not alone. He's got brothers and sisters, and they're empowered, and they're fighting together, and I'm going to be destroyed. Don't do this alone. Don't do this alone. Don't be a citizen alone. My next point, Philippians 1.29, he says, For you have not only been given the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering. Citizens in heaven are privileged. And sometimes we think, oh, you know, you'll hear people, oh, I'm just going to pray for this and I'll get this. How many of y'all pray for suffering? Hmm. Probably not. Probably not something you're asking for. Paul says it's a privilege. Does that mean we pray for it? See, we're privileged to have salvation. We all love that part. Like, ah, I get to go to heaven. I'm privileged. I'm privileged to have Jesus die for me. We stand on the fact that he loves us so much that he would be willing to die for us. Yes, I will accept that privilege. I got to suffer? Is there an, can I choose a different option? Like, y'all play that game life. You come to the little road and it's like, you can go this way or this way. Like you have children and I have children, right? We're looking for that. Can I go a different route, please? Can I go a different way? Because I don't think I want to suffer. But here's the deal. I was, I, you know, a couple weeks ago, it was Memorial Day. And I was thinking about that. And I was watching on TV where the president goes and lays the wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier. My dad was, was a veteran in the army. He had been in Korea. And you ask these guys, you don't, you know, the ones, even the ones that come back, and they'll tell you it was a privilege. Yeah. It was a privilege to fight for my country. It was a privilege to sacrifice. Some gave the ultimate sacrifice. Some sacrificed family, sacrificed time, sacrificed limbs. But it was an honor. It was a privilege. You know, they counted it a privilege to fight for the freedom we had been given. We are privileged too. We are privileged to sacrifice for the freedom that we have been given through Christ. The ultimate freedom. Way more free than you could ever be in this country. Right? Way more free than that. It's a privilege to sacrifice for that. Y'all know that's good. Come on. Y'all know that was good. Right? Here's the deal. Pastor Sean always says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on my my preaching hat for a second. But I've already been preaching. So um, I'm going to do a little tough love. And don't, this is for me too. I, I, I am not above um, messing up. I'm not above not having this right. But see, we don't see suffering as a privilege. And the reason we don't is because we don't really value what was paid. We don't value the gospel the way that we should. We see, we see suffering as more of an inconvenience. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, I mean, I'll do that as long as it doesn't take me away from this. Or I'll do that as long as I get to do what I want to do afterwards. Or it doesn't really, it doesn't really take away from this or, or whatever it is that, that it's pushing up against. Or it just doesn't make me uncomfortable. Right. Suffering's not always fun. But it is important. And it's a privilege. 
Philippians 1.27 he says, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose. One purpose. See, we are to live a life as citizens that are not alone. We are citizens of heaven who are privileged. And here's the, 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 the third point. We are citizens who have one purpose. Paul says you have one purpose. What is it? Fighting together. Fighting together. And see, sometimes we make being a Christian kind of difficult. We'll have all these different things that it means to, to do a, be a Christian. And Paul's like, no, you have one purpose. You just have one thing. God just asks you to do one thing. And he says, it's to fight together for the faith. And some of us are like, yeah, I like fighting for my faith. I like to get on Facebook. I like to blow people up. Right? I like to tell them what, you know, how they're wrong and their viewpoint is horrible and they need Jesus and, and if they don't agree, I just tell them how dumb they are and that they're going to go to hell. That's not the fighting he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about. Because does that draw people? Absolutely not. You know what draws people? Go to Philippians 2.15. It says, shine like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Be a light in the darkness. That's what we're to be. That's our purpose, is to be a bright light in the darkness. What does it look like? Well, I was gonna do an illustration. I'm gonna turn this on. I was just gonna shine it. And so I came in here, I did it, and it wasn't, it wasn't very, I was like, man, I, got, I want more impact, Right? And so, but then I started thinking, I was like, you know, it tells us to be like a light. We're to have the light. But John 8, 12 says, says this, and this is Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. What does it like, look like to be a light? What does it look like? So I want to show you something. This is a cool trick. If you ever go camping, um, and you need more light, kind of like a, a, a lantern. And we're going to turn off the lights in here in just a second, okay? Don't anybody get up and move suddenly. Our security's in the back. They see movement. They can't see. They might tackle you. I'm joking, but not really. Um, so um, I'm gonna, we're going to do this. Don't get up and move around. I, I, part of it is I just don't want anybody tripping and falling. But, and we're only going to do this for just a minute. But see, I want this to resemble Jesus. And I want this to resemble us. This is us filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it look like to be a light? Let's turn the lights off. So we have the light. And then there's us. And when the two come together, we're a bright light. With every light, every eye in the room is on this. Why? Because you can't help but be attracted to it. Right? And the thing is, I told you, we don't want to do this alone. And I wish I could have done this. I, oh, man, I wanted to do this so bad. I wanted to buy everybody in here a flashlight and a water bottle and have everybody reach under their seat and be like, Oprah, and you got a light, and you got a light. All right, you can turn the lights on. But what, could you imagine how bright it would be in here? And we're, we're to be called, all of us, to be that bright light in this world. It's not just my job to stand up here and be a light so that you can bring people to me. That's your job. We're to do this together. Wherever you're at, work, 
home, friends, all of it. We have one purpose, be a light. How do we accomplish this? How do we accomplish being the light in this world? I wouldn't just say, just go and do it. Just be a light and not, and Paul wouldn't either. At the very beginning, Paul says this. He says, I, let me go back to that. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the, of the good news, the gospel. To live a life worthy. And the problem is, is that so much of the time we don't live a life that shows the worth, the value of the gospel. You know why? Because so often we don't value it the way we should. We don't look at it and go, man, that's so valuable. See, in order to accomplish your purpose, you must value the gospel. Because if you don't value it, you don't care what happens. If you don't value, you know, anybody, we got fishermen in here? Yeah. How many of y'all would like a new boat? Right? Anybody in here working at your shift for a boat? I bet you would. You probably wouldn't complain about it. You'd be like, matter of fact, you'd probably be more happy to work the extra shifts than you were the regular shifts. Right? Because you're like, you know, I, these are going toward the boat. And I'll work extra for that. And man, you, somebody would ask you, oh, you're working extra? You, you got, you're picking up some extra? Yeah, let me show you why. You pull out that boat. Let me show you. See, I'm not a boat person. I'm not a fisherman. I just don't have the patience. I like mountain biking. And, but you would brag about that boat. You'd talk about it because that's the end goal. That's the end goal. But as a Christian, as a citizen of heaven, what is your end goal? It's to be a light and to bring more people to Jesus. It's to draw them to him. It's to make more followers. And in order to accomplish your purpose, you must value the gospel. This isn't in your notes, but I want you to write this down. The Lord gave me this. And it, it was just so powerful because I was trying to understand what, it, like, what does it look like to value? What you value determines how you live. Think about that. What you value determines how you live. And how you live shows what you value. You work extra hours for a boat, it's very obvious you value the boat. Or maybe down the line, really what you value is yourself. Because it's about what you get. And God's, Paul's saying, you're a citizen of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is more important than you. Jesus and getting people into the kingdom are more important than you. But see, when people see, I'm not done, what, what you value determines how you live. How you live shows what you value. And when people see what you value, they will desire it. They will want what you have because it's valuable. If you live in such a way that you value the gospel so much that you're willing to sacrifice for it, you will, you will bring more people to Christ than you could even imagine. You know why? Because we don't live in a world that values other people. We value ourselves. And when we're willing to sacrifice for each other and to bring people to something, that means we value it and people will want that. They will want to know what it is. They will desire it and it will change their lives. How do we show the value? How do we show the value of this? Paul does it, he goes right into it. In verse 12, he says, work hard. Work hard. And you're like, oh, oh. 
I do work hard. No, we're not done. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show how much God has changed you in your salvation. That you put others first. That you love God first and people next. And guess who's third? That's you. We're not even second. We're third. Value. Value the gospel. Work hard from your salvation. Not work hard from a to-do list. I gotta read my Bible today. Check. I gotta pray today. Check. Oh, I'll serve at church today. As long as it doesn't take too long. Check. We'll do all those things if it gets off because it feels like, well, if I do that, then maybe God will bless me. And really, it's more about what do I get out of this than about living on purpose and living as a citizen that puts others first. Obey God. Number two, he says, obey God with deep reverence and fear. We're to obey God. So how are we to accomplish our purpose? Work hard from your salvation. Number two, obey God no matter the cost. See, when we obey with reverence and fear, we're not like afraid of God. We revere who he is and what he's done for us. We have reverence for that. It's like, think about reverence for the flag. It's like, we make sure that it's in a high spot and we're taking care of it and we're, and we're looking at it. And, and as a citizen, we, need, we have reverence. Right? So we're, remember, this may seem really big. I get it. Man, obey God no matter the cost. That's hard, Ron. Sometimes I don't even feel like it. I don't even feel like it. I, 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 I don't want to. And it's too hard. God's so good. God's so good. Listen to this next part. For God is working in you. Remember the power of the Holy Spirit? For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You want to fulfill your purpose? He wants you to too. And he's going to give you the desire and the power. You don't have to figure, you don't want to be like, oh, okay, I got to figure out how I want to do this. I got to convince myself. No, you, you tap into God. You tap into that power of the Holy Spirit and he will give you the desire and the power to do what you need to do. Why am I up here? Because God's given me the desire and the power. Not because of anything I have done. Not because I'm more special than anyone else. It's because God has given me a purpose and he told me to do this and he gave me the abilities. And then he asks us to do something very hard. (laughs) Uh, Number three is to do this without complaining. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. <sighs> do we have to do it like that? I mean, they ask all the time to help. I'm so tired of helping. Uh, I'm like, shut up and do it. Oh, that was my inside voice. I'm sorry. Um, we, you know what? Anybody like to be around a complainer? No. <laughs> Why? It's not attractive. It's, it does not want, it does not make anybody want to do anything to complain or to argue. And we're to be a light. We're to attract people. 
And you know what complaining does? It says, number one, I do not value this. Number two, I don't value what you think because I'm going to complain about this thing to you. I don't want you to, I, I just want, I just, I just don't like to do this. So we're to do this without complaining. Paul says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. He says, live a clean and innocent lives as children of God, sharing, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Holy, hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain, that my work was not useless, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Even if I have to sacrifice by pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I, all I want of you to share, I want all of you to share in that joy, the joy of a sacrifice to a God that you value. Because guess what? He's priceless. Why? Because you could never have paid the price that he did. It was you, did not, you don't have enough to pay the price that he did for your salvation. So it is priceless. And all I want you to, I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice. And I will share your joy. Paul says, if you hold on to the gospel, hold on to the gospel and value it. Run this race then you will share in the joy of a life sacrificed to God. The last four points, very quickly, were the same points Pastor Sean made last week. And I was told you, I was watching this and online and, and God said when I got to this, he says, I want, you to, I want you to share those again. They're important. They're important for us to understand because in God's kingdom, when, we're, when we are citizens, your success, your view of success will change. Your view of success will be obedience. True success in the kingdom of God is obedience. What is he asking you to do? Obey. Obey. Your whole life, here's the deal. This is gonna be a hard one. Your whole life is a mission field. Not just when you go on a mission trip. Not just when you're at church. It's when you're at work. It's when you're with your family. It's when you're with your friends. Each task, big or small. You know, I, I said something earlier. I, I said, you're not just serving coffee. I was speaking to our volunteer, our, serv our servant leaders. I said, there are no justs in the Bible. There are no justs in the kingdom of God. I just do this. You don't have to do this. You get to do this. We get to serve in big and small. And each task, big or small, is important. And what seems small can have a profound impact. Just a smile to someone having a bad day can change their life. Just a hug when someone's down. Just a, just a text that says, hey, I'm praying for you. I know what you're going through. Seems small, but has a profound impact on someone that feels like they're in the midst of the end. I want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage you guys 
with something. I, I, God showed me a scripture. It's Hebrews 12, 2, when I was studying. And, and I originally, I thought this was going to be part of my um, sermon, but it, I just really feel like I'm, I'm supposed to share it with you. It says, for the joy set before him, speaking of Jesus, he went to the cross. Some of you are in here and you're hearing this and you're just feeling, you're just feeling condemned because you haven't, you haven't made it. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you hear this and, and, and the devil goes, yeah, see, he's, mm, what have you been doing? Or maybe you're new and it's like, this just seems too big and I don't know and, and you'll never be able to do this. You'll never be able to live a life as a citizen. Um, you may be, but you'll never live that way. And, and, and you're feeling like you're dis, you've disqualified yourself from doing this. If you could disqualify yourself from living for Christ and doing what he needs you to, this Bible would have no people in it. You can't disqualify yourself from God. And he says, the joy set before him, he went to the cross. God loves you, but here's the deal. He finds joy in you. You are the joy set before him so that he went to the cross. Please don't leave today feeling disqualified, feeling like you can't do this, for God is working in you to give you the will and the power to do what's needed. Will you all stand with me? I'm gonna pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you love us enough. I thank you that, that you have given, you gave us your son, you gave us life, that you gave us what we need, that Lord, that you love us enough not to just leave us to try to figure this out, but that you would work, that you work in us to, to will us to do and desire and the power to do. And I praise you for that. I pray over every single person here, Lord, that they would leave understanding the power that they have through the Holy Spirit to change this world, to be a light in the dark places at work, at home, that they could change their work, they could change their homes, they could change their lives, they could change this world. They just have to believe it. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen.